This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And welcome into the Primetime Podcast here on Most Valuable Podcast. If you're on YouTube, thanks for checking us out. If you downloaded us via Blog Talk Radio, thanks for the download today. Hope you guys enjoy the podcast. We've got a jam-packed, like, I say jam-packed, and I know I do this bit where I'm like, oh, I say we just jam-packed, but Brandon, we are fitting in possibly the most topics. We had four lined up for today, but then Duke and college basketball kind of threw a fifth one at us. So we're going to have five total topics on this podcast today. Yeah, Ricky, uh, you do do that every time. Uh, you come it's on the same, it's the and same you shtick. open up it's the same and, and you tell everyone that we've got a jam-packed show. <laughs> and I think people are, are, are going to be waiting, be, wait, be waiting for the day. They're, they're, they're going to be caught off guard when you come on and say, we got nothing. We got nothing for you today, <laughs> hey, folks. It, it, it may come after March Madness when we are in the, the dead time of In the depression. No We're in yeah. the depression zone then. It's just like, what do we talk about? I mean, I guess we could stretch and reach and talk a little bit about, you know, where Chip Kelly is going to coach this next year. But do we want to? Not really. So it's a really We're going to talk about that today. Time. We're going to look at that today. And what we're going to look at is the national championship game. We're going to look at Sam Darnold, Chip Kelly, the Minnesota Golden Gophers situation firing their head coach. But the thing I want to start with, Brandon, is the gift I said that Duke and college basketball kind of laid in our lap. Because if you guys did not go back and listen about, I want to say it was a week ago, me and Brandon talked about Grayson Allen being suspended for the indefinitely. He was suspended indefinitely after his tripping incident, which is two weeks from today, Wednesday, as we are recording this podcast. Well, guess what, Brandon? They lose to Virginia Tech, they being Duke, lose to Virginia Tech, and then realize, oh, wait, we need him. And guess who played today against Georgia Tech where they won 110-57? to Grayson Allen. Well, I have to say, when you say that you go on, when someone's put on an indefinite suspension, that's not a game. A, a game is when you say they've got a game suspension. Simple. Mm-hmm. Indefinite suspension means a couple. A couple of games. You miss a couple. Um. This is interesting to me because I was pretty sure that with the way that Coach K had handled it, the way that he had talked about it, and and the consequences of what he said for an indefinite suspension, that Grayson Allen was not going to be seeing the court for, I would say, a handful of games. But of course, you have to realize is that when you lose, if you blow out Virginia Tech, if you beat Virginia Tech, he probably sits mm-hmm. in this game against Georgia Tech. But that was not the case. I, I think that it's a little unfortunate, it's a little disappointing to see Coach K kind of go back on what he had said. Yes, he, he sat for one game. But is one game enough? And I, I just don't know if it is. Uh, you know, this is, again, this is not an, one incident, two incidences. This is three times that this tripping incidence has occurred against three different teams. Same guy always involved. That's Grayson Allen. One game, Ricky. I, I'm usually one. And you know me. 
when I, when we talk about these things, we talked about a couple of these this year, not not attributing incidents and not in college basketball, but football. I usually am, you know, let let them handle it internally. Let the players continue to, you know, play in the games if they, mm-hmm. you know, in practice. It, there there will be something internally. But here, I really did believe Grace. Now it's been so blatant on national TV. He's done it three times. One game, not enough. I am disappointed in Duke basketball. I am disappointed. And I know what you're probably thinking listening to me say that is, well, Ricky, Coach K, Grayson Allen, they don't care. They don't care if you're disappointed in them because you're not a big shot. Well, the thing that gets me most upset about this is the thing that I thought of immediately was what could he have learned sitting out one game? Nothing. You learned nothing. You know what I learned from this? I learned that we were all we were all right in the beginning when everyone was like, oh, you know what? He's not going to sit. It's all about winning games. And if he can help the team win, then he won't get suspended. Then the next day, oh, Grayson Allen suspended indefinitely the day after it happens. And I'm sitting there going, wow, I'm pleasantly shocked that we were all wrong. And then I hear Coach K go on the Dan Patrick show, and I'm pleasantly surprised by his interview. A complete different tone than I heard the night before after that Elon game where the tripping incident happened. But now this happens, and it proves that just because you lose one game that you thought you should have won at Virginia Tech, that really when it boils down to it, Brandon— Winning is all that matters. And if you can help the team win, it doesn't matter what you do. You will see playing time. That's what this proved. And that is why I am disappointed in not just Coach K. I'm disappointed in the Duke Athletic Department as well. Because there also could have been a decision made where it's like, Coach, this guy is not playing. We cannot let him play after only sitting one game. Ricky, how big of a factor do you think it plays that Coach K coached his last game tonight before against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets before having back surgery that's going to put him on the sidelines for four weeks and they're going to hand it off to one of the assistant coaches? How big of an impact do you think that has that he wanted wanted his star player Mm -hmm. back before he went and had his back surgery? It played it. I thought about that, too. It played a huge, a huge part into this. It had to have. Because the one thing, like, if you're a Duke fan, you could not have been thinking, oh, we're going to be fine without Grayson Allen, without Coach K on the sideline. You had to be thinking, like, yeah, I know Jeff Chappell is a good coach, or Jeff Kappel is a good coach, is probably coaching for a head coaching job to prove himself to get back into that ranks. But you had to be sitting there with a little bit of doubt saying, hey, we are not going to do well, especially when we get to the floor. If we get to Florida State without Coach K, without Grayson Allen, and then have to play Louisville, both on the road, without Coach K, without Grayson Allen, this was them saying, we need one of them out there, and it is going to be Grayson Allen. And I'm going back to it. I am disappointed. Because it's one of those things where 
I mean, people could probably say, oh, well, he he learned his lesson. He sat a game. No, you did not learn your lesson after just sitting one game. And I know what people are going to say. Oh, but Ricky, you didn't trip anyone today. Yeah, let's wait a couple games. He'll be back because guess what? When players are like this, they usually go back to their old habits. And as we have seen, this is his old habit. It's happened three times already, and it's not even one full calendar year from when the first one happened. Ricky, uh, road games coming up for Duke. Number 12, Florida State. Number 9, Louisville. Allen tripped players from both mm-hmm. teams mm-hmm. last season. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. I I am this, this was one of those things where Brandon and I told you, I'm like, we're talking about this. Because this was one of the things where I, I just don't like uh, – I understand it because it's one of those things where oh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe cynical is the word I'm looking for, but I don't think that's the word I'm looking for. It's basically when you think you know the world is a shitty place, but you try to see the best in the world, and then someone shows you that the world isn't really a shitty place all the time, and then you're like, oh, there is good in the world, and then that shittiness just – fucking sweeps the happiness right off the side. That's what this is. It showed me that, hey, maybe winning isn't all that matters when it comes to these. Maybe doing the right thing is what matters and learning a lesson. But in the end, Duke just showed it does not matter what you do. You will play if you have talent to do so. Ricky, I think that once the show's over today, we may just have to take you by, get you an ice cream cone, and maybe all will be right. Maybe all will be right in the world again for you. But I think that even though Grayson Allen only mm-hmm. is suspended for one game, I still think that he's an extremely talented player. I think that he is going to do well. I, I don't think that the suspension was long enough. I think it should have been a couple of games because I think that that would have made him really. I don't want to say that it would have made him really upset on the bench, but it would have made him understand, guess what? My team needs me out there. I need to be a better player. Mm-hmm. I need to be a better teammate. I got to not think about me. I've got to think about them, and I'm affecting them when I'm not on the floor. Again, Grayson Allen has an opportunity to make really good things happen for Duke this season, and then he has an opportunity to to put himself at a decent draft position mm-hmm. come this next year, so I, I think that Grayson Allen did he did he get enough time? Probably not, but I still think that he can change around his game and see my team needs me in a way that I can't do those types of things. I can't be selfish like that. That's selfish. That's selfish play. You're thinking about yourself. He's got to put that aside. He can do really good things for Duke. Duke can do really good things, and this team can show. That they're a number one team and they can get back to that number one spot, certainly. But they're going to need Grayson Allen and a clear level head to do so. Utterly shocked is what I was when I saw that breaking news from ESPN come to my phone. And I'm going to say it again. Disappointed is how I'm feeling in college basketball and mostly Duke athletics, not just the basketball team. But this is a topic that I just wanted to throw out there. I didn't want to go a ton of into. I just wanted to get our quick reactions and then do what we do best and turn it on to you guys. Turn the conversation on to you guys. Let us know down in the comment section or on Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter, young underscore swan at Ricky Widmer. Let us know what you think about this. We're going to move on into what our real first topic was going to be before Grayson Allen and that news came out. And 
Brandon, we've got a dandy of a game coming up on Monday. What are we, less than seven days away from the national championship in college football? And we saw a, to me, an entertaining first half between Alabama and Washington. It was exactly like it was me, Dave, and Sean all watching it at Dave's house. And Dave said, you know what? This this could be an entertaining first half. Thanks for the invite. We knew you were downtown. We, we I wasn't downtown. You. We we invite. I know we invited you, Brandon. I know we did. I I, I don't remember getting the invite, but that's okay. Because I, I, I remember Sean. See wanted, how it is. Because I remember Sean wanted to watch the game with you because Alabama and Washington were playing. But it was an entertaining first half, and then Alabama kind of just dominated from there on out. And then on the other side, we had basically an in watch an unwatchable game between Clemson and Ohio State, who. I mean, you said coming into today, maybe Ohio State shouldn't have been in there. Maybe a fake ID on them. Maybe a fake ID for the Big Ten team. And I'm okay uh, taking the hit on this one with people, you know, putting putting comments out there and calling me an idiot, blah, blah, blah. Ohio State was weak. They stunk. Ohio they stunk. And, and I'm not even just talking of the game against Clemson. Ohio State was not what they were. They certainly were not what they were two years ago when they mm-hmm. when they won it all. But Ohio State was nothing exciting. They they really didn't look good in that game against Penn State. And Penn State, what a what a fight they put up in the Rose Bowl. But I I think that there were other teams deserving teams. Again, this can lead to the eight game. You know, we want to expand to eight games. Don't talk about that. But this is who who were the best teams. Ohio State, I don't think, was one of the best teams going into the playoffs. I just don't think mm-hmm. that they were. They didn't even face the number one team. They faced Clemson. Very good team. But you couldn't score any points against the Clemson Tigers. Ohio State, I do not think, was good enough to be in the playoffs. They got lucky. It's like golf. I'd rather be lucky than good. They were lucky, not good. Well, and the one point before we, because I want to get into the national championship game, the one point I will say about Ohio State is I believe from what this this week Colin Cowherd came out and said, what we learned this year from the selection committee is they said it is okay to lose a game. Clemson lost a game on a last-second field goal, still made the playoffs. Washington lost to USC. Still made the playoffs. The one thing they were going to say you cannot do, you cannot have a bad loss. And when it comes to USC, when it comes to Penn State, the reason why those teams were not in the playoffs, Penn State had a bad loss to Michigan. A a team like Colin Coward said they were too young at the time to play an older team in Michigan. They would have played at the end of the year. Maybe it's a different story. And then USC had a bad loss against Alabama and basically didn't didn't start the right quarterback until week four of the college season. So really USC, it's on them. If they would have started Darnold, it might have been a different story. But the thing is, bad losses of what kept those teams out of the playoffs. But when it's all said and done, we have the matchup that I want to say most people wanted. They wanted to see the rematch because last year's game between Clemson and Alabama Brandon, we were watching it. It was a pretty entertaining game. It was a very entertaining game. And and what we saw is that it was one of the best offenses, if not the best offense last year with uh, with Clemson. 
just just because of Deshaun Watson and what he did so well, not only passing and through the air, but mm-hmm. what he did on the ground as well. And I think that when you put those things together, that made for just a dynamic dynamic duo of the same guy and now he has Mike Williams he didn't have Mike Williams last year he had Mike Williams for a couple of plays in the in game number one of the season lost him to injury but now Mike Williams is healthy he's back this season he's going to be a huge key come Monday night and I think that Alabama best defense in the country this is going to be a great game but what what Deshaun Watson was able to do last year is, again, Alabama was the best defense in the country last year. Deshaun Watson, towards the end of the game, was able to really pick them apart. So if he's able to have success again like that this year, it's going to be another very close game. I expect a good game uh, because I think that, one, it's a rematch of last year's title game. Mm-hmm. And two, these are two well-coached teams. Dabo Sweeney, I mean, he has his guys on point. Remember that loss that they had against Pittsburgh? Everyone was like, "Oh no, Clemson is out of this." They're, you know, they're down and out, and no, they weren't. Because he almost kept, lost to Virginia Tech because he too. kept them on course. Mm-hmm. He kept them on course. Yes, they did. Um, and and then on the other side with Alabama, they just don't waver. However, Alabama's just good. However, but they're just good. But take a look in that game against Washington. Mm-hmm. And yes, I. I had been very boisterous that Alabama was going to whoop up on Washington. Washington would have no chance. At at the halftime, was the score not 17-7 in favor of Alabama? The the thing with that game Hold on. is... Answer me that. It was 17-7 mm-hmm. at halftime. It was close. The final score it was, was a 24-7. Touchdown. Alabama outscored Washington 7 nothing in the second half. Well, they didn't score but 7 points in the second half. They here, didn't need to. But what I'm saying is is that Washington's defense holding, having good stance or is it Alabama taking a little bit off the gas and or not getting anything going offensively? I don't know if it was anything where Washington or Alabama were taking anything off. The comment that I made to Dave and Sean as we were watching the beginning of the Ohio State-Clemson game was, man, this game's a blowout. I mean, you look at that Washington-Alabama game, it was a score where you look at the score and you go, wow, this is a close game. But if you basically just watched the game and kind of took the score away from it and covered up the score box, just watching that game, you would feel like Alabama was up 55 to nothing. Like, it was a game that... Early on, yes, Washington scored that early touchdown, and they had momentum, but it just felt like once Alabama got going, they didn't need to put up a ton of points. All they needed to put up was 24, but if I by watching that game and just with my eyes, I saw one team that was playing far better than the other. I mean, that Washington offense wasn't getting anything going against that Alabama defense. And the one thing that I'm looking at right now, if you have Snapchat and looked at ESPN today, you know it as well. But Jalen Hurts has run for more yards than every other Alabama quarterback in the last 10 years. He has 891 yards on the ground this season. All other quarterbacks combined have 876. That's 10 years of quarterbacks added up. And he's got more rushing yards than them combined. 
You know, Ricky, one thing that I really like is that I like that, you know, people can complain, uh, myself included. I can say, you know, they didn't get all the teams right. The committee did not get all the teams right when mm-hmm. they were when they were picking them and placing them for the college football playoff. But when you look at what we have as our national title game, we have I'm happy the with it. two best teams in all of college football. Mm-hmm. You've got number one, number two. The game last year was 45-40. to 40. It was an impressive game. You look at last year. Alabama beat Michigan State 38-0. Clemson beats Oklahoma 37-17. And now this year, Alabama it's beats Washington 24-7. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, you have Clemson winning 31-0 over Ohio State. So, let so me, it's me really this. just interesting. You take a look at this, and last year it was Clemson trying to go 15-0. They couldn't do it. Alabama beat them. This year, it's Alabama trying to go perfect. Is Clemson going to be the one to do it? So riddle me this. Does Clemson win this game? Because of what you just said. Everything with the records are flipped, where this year the team going for undefeated didn't win. The team with the momentum coming off of a big shutout win won the national championship last year. Those both favor Clemson this year. Does Clemson get the W over Alabama? Do we see an upset? Because to me, that would be a huge upset, only because of how affordable and how strong this Alabama defense really is. We could see it. It's going to be interesting how this offense plays out for Alabama. With Lane Kiffin no what longer calling plays. a weird situation. And I <laughs> want to get into that for a minute. Mm-hmm. I listened to part. I, I, I caught part of it uh, getting in the car earlier this week when Mike and Mike were talking to Lane Kiffin. I only caught part of the interview. But Lane Kiffin says that he himself and himself only made the decision to step away because it was in the best interest of the players. Now, no one believes that. Okay. No one believes that people believe that it was so toxic in there that Nick Saban said, Lane, got to go, got to go away. And Steve Sarkeesian was hired to be the guy to take over in that position. Again, something we all know. I just don't know how this is going to affect the guys. And, and apparently I'm hearing that the the chemistry between Sarkeesian and Alabama's offensive players is good right now. But I, I just find it so interesting that Lane Kiffin, one, is stepping away now. Why didn't he do this a couple weeks ago? Why didn't he do this a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and say, you know what? I know what I want to do. I want to go be a head coach. I'm going to be a head coach. I'm going to Florida Atlantic. I'm now the coach of Florida Atlantic. I'm going to step away now. Instead, he waits. He waits. He, you know, we're going to pretend he. it really was him. He waits a week before the national championship game. And you say, you know what? I'm just now seeing that I can't do both. I'm, I, I, and, and one's got to come before the other, and, and now it's going to have to be my Florida Atlantic job. Huh? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense, Ricky. And, and I think that it's even more interesting and hilarious when Nick 
excuse me, Lane Kiffin says he's not going to be down on the sidelines because he won't be able to do that, and he's not going to be the offensive coordinator, but he might be up in the box. If you're at the game, you can obviously call the plays and game plan all the way up if you're able to take time to still be at the game. Doesn't make sense, Ricky. Doesn't well, make sense. The thing that I was thinking about this is I heard him on the Dan Patrick show. I believe it was Tuesday. I heard him on the Dan Patrick show. And the one thing that he did say was he said, you know what? I don't know if it was me of why we were off, but he said after that win over Washington, he said, I just thought to myself, I can't let something happen in the national championship game and cost a perfect season and the game for the students, the kids who have worked so hard this season. But then he made other comments, like you mentioned, the being up in the booth for the game, I my whole thing with this was I don't think this is a Lane Lane Kiffin thing. I think this was Nick Saban basically after that game being like, you know what? Get out. Because the one thing that you gotta think of, like Nick Saban alone, Nick Saban's usually a guy that likes consistency. He he would be a guy that says, No, 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 Lane, you're gonna stay. Something had to be going on. I mean, Nick Saban was fired up in that game, and he was angry in that game. Something had to be going on to where Nick Saban had to have said to Lane Kiffin, this can't work. This cannot work. Just get out, go to Florida Atlantic, we'll win without you. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I don't doubt that something like that happened because when you score, you know— 30 plus points or close to 30 plus points a game you're held under that average you're at 24 points against a Pac-12 opponent that you should be beating pretty well Mm -hmm. again yes you have to give credit to Washington their defense played well in that first half their defense did play well in that first half for most of the first half but Alabama, who's been able to put up points on points on points all season long, you score twenty four, and I I just don't I just don't know. I, you know, one thing that they one thing that they finally saw was a running game from Bo Scarborough. Finally, he has a hundred and eighty yards and two touchdowns. They're going to need him in, big in the game against Clemson, but it it didn't seem like it was a very good game plan. And that's from a that's from a viewer, that's from a fan. Mm-hmm. And if a fan and a viewer is seeing that, oh, a coach has seen so much more. I I, I don't think Nick Saban was too pleased. And Nick Saban and, and Lane Kiffin have been at odds for quite some time. I think Nick Saban had had enough, and he said, "Lane, we're done." Well, and good thing for Alabama that they have a guy like. Sarkeesian, because one of the things that I and we do know remember, that. we know that was strategic. And one of the things I do remember almost verbatim from that Dan Patrick interview was Lane Kiffin made a comment of how you could basically let him and Sarkeesian are so much on the same page and think so much alike that basically you can put them in different rooms, give them a situation like ball on the three, fourth and three. 
Fourth and goal on the three, give me your top five plays that you would run. And he said that if you took those lists with them in separate rooms, that those lists would be identical, that they would have the same five plays in the same order. Like that's how that's how much they think on the same page. And I look at it and I go, okay, maybe. Like that's good for Alabama. But I really think that this Lane Kiffin thing had to be Nick Saban saying, just get out of here. Just get out of here. Focus on Florida Atlantic because that's – that's something that when you're a head coach, you got a lot to deal with. You're not just dealing with the day-to-day stuff. And really, it comes down to how much are you really here as we are preparing for a national championship game. And really, the one thing, and I know this is getting kind of off the topic of Clemson, Alabama, but I want to throw this out there. Maybe it throws a uh, little bit at a foreshadowing of what Lane's going to be like as a head coach because... Look at last year. Kirby Smart did it with no problem, and he was going to Georgia. He was going to a big-time program. Not if you listen not, not if you listen to Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin will tell you in his interviews that Kirby Smart struggled with it last year, and that's why, you know, maybe the defense didn't do as well as they could have done because Kirby had his mind elsewhere. So Lane is just <laughs> putting other people under the bus with him. You know, in, in Alabama— Won that game last mm-hmm. year. They won the national championship. Or and the national trophy, depending on who you're asking. Phyllis Romulga, I hope she's back. <laughs> I hope she is back. She's got to be, right? She's got to be. Yeah, I hope so. But Kirby Smart did not leave until after that game was over. Mm-hmm. He was able to do it. So Because I... guess what? Him and Saban were able to work together. Mm-hmm. Kiffin? Saban? I mean, we saw it. Had to be there was we a little bit of rough in, in multiple games, uh-huh. but it's not just Nick Saban that that has struggled to get along with him. Everywhere he's gone, he has struggled to get along with others. Mm-hmm. He never can play nice in the sandbox. <laughs> that <laughs> had to start. Kids. That had to start as a kid. But I mean, just look at look at it. I mean, USC was terrible. Tennessee atrocious. Lane Kiffin. Could struggle. We could see it. We could definitely see it. But I think that you're you're on to something, Ricky. You're possibly on to something as what he might be like as a head coach. And hopefully, hopefully, it's organized. Hopefully, he brings in good coordinators and everything like that. He's going to need to. And, Brandon, I'm not going to ask you your prediction of who's going to win this game. The listeners are going to have to go to our YouTube page and watch our Keys of the Game video for that. What I want to ask you to close this out before we get into the other topics on the podcast is what's your prediction for the game as at large? Are we going to see a blowout? Are we going to see a close game? Give me your overall what we're going to see in this game without giving me an actual winner. I think we're going to see a very good game. I think we're going to see uh, certainly a back-and-forth game for, for a little while, and I say that even more so this year because last year Clemson was good. This year Clemson blows out 31 nothing Ohio State. This team that, you know, so many people look at, whoa, Ohio State. Wow. Again, I don't have as big of uh I never had as 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 big of hopes for Ohio State when they got into the playoffs, but Clemson didn't hold them they didn't get a point. They held them scoreless. 
Clemson's going to be definitely a team to be reckoned with, but Alabama's defense, the best defense, I think, to possibly ever play. For the this group of guys, possibly the best defense to ever play for Alabama, we are in for a very, very good game. And yes, check out our Keys to the Game video that we are going to be doing because that is where you're going to get the prediction from Ricky and from myself mm-hmm. about who is going to win this game, who we believe is going to win this game. It's going to be a good one. Ricky, I hope we're watching it together. Oh, we will. Absolutely. Just like last year, the Primetime Podcast guy is going to get together, watch it, and we're going to be tweeting during that game. But the last thought that I had on it has to come from coming into the semifinal game. This Alabama defense, like you said, is good. And I can't wait to watch this offense from Clemson with Deshaun Watson and those weapons that they have Gallman and uh, or Gallman and Williams, and then going up against this defense because this defense coming into the semifinal games, teams on average were for the entire year they gave up sixty yards per game on the ground. Miles Gaskin thirty four yards on only ten carries. Alabama or Washington as a team, pardon me, forty four yards on the ground. That is where I know Deshaun Watson is not a dual-threat quarterback. Don't call me a dual-threat quarterback. But uh, Clemson needs to win the rushing battle and get some rushing yards going, which might be a hard task because that front seven is really, really good. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below in the comment section. Comment. Let us know who you got winning the game. What are you thinking? And then go check out our Keys of the Game video for our exact keys and who we have winning the game we're going to move on brandon into we got two coaching segments to get into and i asked you before the podcast which one we should talk about first we got minnesota we got chip kelly you voted to talk about the chippers first the chip kelly uh first on the podcast and basically what we're going to be looking at is on the onside kick we looked at what's next for chip kelly and the 49ers and me and mark talked a lot about nfl side but today, Chip Kelly came out and said that uh, he's going to weigh all options. I'll ask you this, Brandon. Does Chip Kelly make a return to college football? You know, Ricky, I, I just I, I think that if he, if he makes a return anywhere, it's going to be to college football. Someone's going to pick him up. Someone's going to want him to be part of their team and lead their team and put him in a West Coast-style offense and play their team and use their players like he did at Oregon. That's what they're going to want. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to get that Chip Kelly. I, and I know, I know that college, NFL, different, so many levels. Chip Kelly failed, failed miserably in San Francisco. Yes, I get it. He had terrible, terrible pieces in place. Uh, a, a roster with talent that, Ricky, you and I could have been in the mix mm-hmm. for a starting role. Bad. Just flat out bad. But Chip Kelly didn't show me anything. That Even when he was with the Eagles. Nothing. Nothing. And and, I, and I'm talking about, his, his obviously, his latest stint. But with the Eagles, it was just, eh. With San Francisco, it was, oh my gosh, this is bad. There was nothing there that showed me anything good. But one of the things I said to you before we came on the podcast today, Mm -hmm. is he going to be like Nick Saban, who goes to the NFL, sucks, comes back to college, 
and what a god. And I think that there's possibility there because Chip Kelly was good before he left. Mm -hmm. Jim Harbaugh, he was in college, went to the NFL, but he was good. He was good in the NFL. San Francisco, run out of San, talent San Francisco just doesn't know what they want. And that's why they're so bad. And that's why and they then, fired not just the head coach, but the GM as well. And then he came back here into college. He's at the University of Michigan. They have an outstanding program. Chip Kelly, I I don't think he's certainly not a good NFL coach, but he showed that he is a good college coach. There is going to be some school that tries to pick him up. There's going to be. Well, and there is. And the one thing that I think to, and this relates to Chip Kelly, and I'm glad you brought up Nick Saban, because the thing that Nick Saban, and to me the reason why he is so successful in college compared to the NFL, it is far easier for a coach in college to have control of everything In the NFL, you can't do it. You cannot have control of everything. You can't be the player personnel guy and the head coach and the and the this and the that. Like Chip Kelly was not just the player personnel guy, the head coach. He was also had the strict regimen of diet for his players. Had the sleep schedule. They had to wear. I I know in Philadelphia at least they had to wear the heart monitors to kind of like he controlled everything. That's the way Chip Kelly is. Those guys, those work in college. Look at Nick Saban. He controls everything, everything at Alabama. Nothing goes through that football program unless Nick Saban knows about it. And it kind of comes down to this is more so for his winning pedigree. I heard on the um, the herd with Colin Cowherd, he had a guest on, and basically what they said was, you know, Nick Saban could commit murder in Alabama and not go to jail. That is how successful he's been. And Chip Kelly almost was, I would say, was when he was with Oregon, same thing. Could commit murder in Oregon, wouldn't get charged, especially unless it was around where Oregon State is. Maybe they would trial him, but if he was in Eugene and committed murder, nope, would have got off scotch-free. Obviously, that's a joke, people. But I think that Chip Kelly needs to go back to college football eventually. I'm not saying like this year, go back, find a team, but eventually needs to go back to college football because that's where his sort of style works. He's a coach that likes control of everything, likes to have his hands and everything. And you do that in college football and his offense. I mean, it works better in college football. I mean, you look at the NFL, they are grown ass men Whereas in college, you are dealing with kids. It is easier to tell a kid out of high school, hey, you should do this and let them like the diet, the sleep thing. Let them, hey, you should do this. Okay, coach. Whereas an NFL player, dude, don't tell me how to live my life. Like there might be some NFL players that are like, okay, you know what? This is really going to help me. I might take it as constructive criticism, but there are some NFL guys that it, it it would seem like it rubs them the wrong way, where it's like, you know what? I've been doing this a while. I think I know what I'm doing. Whereas a college kid is a little bit more impressionable than a grown man in the NFL. So that's why I think that Chip Kelly, not necessarily this year, he could, I think he should just sit on his couch this year 
I mean, he's getting paid from the 49ers and the Eagles to sit at home and not coach. Just sit at home this year. And now let me give let me give him some credit because I I think that Chip uh, let me give him some credit in the NFL. So he started his first two seasons with the Eagles ten and six and ten and six. And in that first year in 2013, I think some people do forget about this. I do. Um, ten and six uh, went to the playoffs, lost in the playoffs. Ten and six the next year, six and nine in 2015, got fired at the end of the season after uh, week 16, and then. 2016 San Francisco with them one year it went two and 14 but I I think that that's me personally I I had to actually go back and and remember that he he made the playoffs in his first season with the Eagles Oh, he did and and he wasn't but that was Andy Reid's talent that was Andy Reid's team still 2014 he also was 10 and 6 6 and 9 in 2015 Mm -hmm. but I think that what what that shows is that Chip Kelly's not all bad but I think that he was just so mirrored with terrible, terrible things around him mm-hmm. in San Francisco. No one should want that San Francisco job. It's where head coaches will go to lose their job after a year. I, I think that it's it's just it's not a good setup for them, but Chip Kelly can be, and Ricky, to your point, have more success in college. That's where he had his success. A record of what? 44 and 6? 46 and 7. 46 and 7. 33 and 3 in conference play. I mean, wow. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I He even went to a national title game. Yeah, he did. Lost they to Scam lost. Newton. But he lost to Scam Newton, who was the number 1 pick in the draft after that year though. And that was on a last second field goal that I think they lost that game too. But it's it's the fact that uh, he belongs in college. He belongs in college football where his his scheme, the way that he wants to run things, works mm-hmm. and works well. I, I think that he just will have more success there. I think that he can actually put—I mean, look what he did at Oregon. He had something in place that other teams looked at and wanted to do. That's what you want. That's what Nick Saban is. People look at Nick Saban and go, oh my gosh, please, if I just get on my knees and bow down, will you give me the secret recipe? Mm-hmm. He ain't doing it. But that's what people look at Nick Saban as. This guy's got the key to, <laughs> keys to the college football kingdom. Chip Kelly could do that in college football. The reason being is because his systems work in college. His systems just work. You get the right players. He had the right player in in uh, Mariota. Mm-hmm. He had other players that fit that West Coast fast pace. Go oh. go go! That play needs to be running under that's two another, seconds. That play has got to be running that's under this. Thing. He gets players in the system. In the system works. It would be different if college. Like, the recruiting process for for college was the same as it is in the NFL. In the NFL, the players don't get to pick the team. It's the team drafts the player. Well, in college, it's basically, I just got to win this player over. He can target the guys that he wants, bring them in, and he's a guy that's had success in college to where, like you said, guys want would want to play for him. And have been would be like, hey, he's had success in college. I want to play for him. I'll win with Chip Kelly. 
So that's where college could also benefit him more because players actually, the high school kids coming out, actually get the choice of where they want to play. In the NFL, it was different. You had to kind of sit there and strategize and, okay, we want to pick this player. Oh, wait, he's off the board. We didn't get him. Would have been a totally different game if those players actually got the pick. Maybe a few of them might have picked Chip Kelly coming out of college because that's kind of more of a college-style offense. But to me, I look at the teams that this is a really, like, and I mentioned this on the onside kick. The Niners did Chip Kelly no favors. Because if I was if I was York and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna fire Chip Kelly, when the college regular season ended and jobs were opening up, I would have called Chip into my office and would have been nice and said, Hey Chip, just want you to know I don't want to make it official, but I'm letting you know now that we're most likely not going to bring you back and we are going to fire you. So if you wanted to look for a college job now, feel free. I would have gave him that that kind of knowledge because then he could have went out and interviewed for one of the big programs that was coming out. Hell, he could have fucking went back to Oregon if he really wanted to. Now he's sitting there and really it's kind of, well, is Minnesota looking at me? Does Minnesota want me? And really, if I'm Chip Kelly, I don't care if Minnesota wants me because I ain't fucking going to Minnesota. Because not just with everything that's going on with Minnesota right now, it's that's not a destined program for me. If I'm Chip Kelly, I'm sitting out a year, and I'm going to see based off this year two coaches that will probably be fired at the end of the year if they have bad seasons, Brian Kelly, and then you got Butch Jones. I could see Chip Kelly being the head coach of either the Vols or the Fighting Irish if either of those coaches get fired. Ricky, how about this? Chip Kelly says, you know, he's leaving his options open. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he could end up, because we we don't have, there, there's head coaching vacancies in the NFL. Do you think that he could end up on a staff of one of those guys as a coordinator? Do you think that he would even do it? Or do you think that he would hold out, do what you said, and what I think he'll do is sit out for this season, wait till someone in, or four people mm-hmm. get fired next year. There's going to college jobs come open like NFL I, jobs come open. I would there would be no. something. I would say no. And the reason why is Chip Kelly, it's kind of like once you go to eating good food, you don't want to go back to the crap. Once you've been like... You've been eating ramen noodles all through college. Then you get a job out of college and you're finally eating like good takeout meals. You don't want to fucking go back to eating ramen noodles. You want to eat the takeout, eat the good restaurant food that you've been eating. That's what Chip Kelly. He's had the life as a head coach, both college and NFL. He doesn't want to go be a, you don't want to go back and be a coordinator. And the thing that he can benefit from is he's got the Eagles and the Niners basically saying, hey, we're going to pay you. Do not coach for us. We are going to pay you to sit on your couch, or we're going to pay you to be an analyst for an NFL network, or really he could really do some damage as like a Fox Sports analyst on the college side or just something in college analyst, kind of like what Tim Tebow's doing for a year, and maybe a little like Tom Coughlin, but for the um, college side, I think he should just sit around and wait for that perfect 
I'm going to say perfect college job because I don't think the NFL head coaching job opens up for him. No, I, I don't think so. And, and I don't even know if, again, I don't, a head coaching job in the NFL I think is out of the question for Chip Kelly. Um, San Francisco ruined that for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that, you know, it, it couldn't. It may not be out of the realm of possibilities that someone says, you know, Chip, I want you to come over here. I want you to be my offensive coordinator. And, you know, could it be just so good that he would go over there? I don't know. Probably not because I think he likes – I think he loved being in college. But sometimes that makes you wonder, Ricky, why leave? Why leave? Why would you – and if you're going to leave, why leave? Go to the NFL because there are so many times that we've seen it. College athletes, outstanding, outstanding in college cannot make the leap to the NFL. Matt Leinert, for example, a failure in the NFL. Same thing when it comes to college coaches. Outstanding college coaches. Go to the NFL, and it looks like they don't know what they're doing. Come back, again, outstanding college coaches. And here's what I kind of want to throw out there to you, because right now I'm looking... At an article that both of us have, because I emailed it to us, from FoxSports.com. And they listed five near-perfect fits for Chip Kelly. I mentioned two of them, Tennessee and Notre Dame. I want to ask you this to kind of put a kibosh on the Chip Kelly segment here. Either one of these jobs, or is there another job that you think next year opens up and that's where chip kelly where do you see chip kelly if he does become a college head coach who is he the head coach of if he does it for next for not this upcoming season but for the next season you know in all honesty if if there was a job that came open in the pack 12 i think that he would Jump, jump all over jump it. all over that. Uh, then again, you know, you have to take a look and what job in the Pac-12 would be coming open. Oregon is filled. Washington, that's not going to come open. Colorado seems to be pretty set. Mm-hmm. Washington State, they're pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if there's anything right there. And I only say the Pac-12, and I'm thinking Pac-12 because, you know, that's. That's where I see, you know, Chip Kelly because of Oregon, because that's where he was. That's what he would know uh, those teams really well. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't. I, I, I guess I just don't see him in. I don't see him in the SEC. I just I don't see, see him I in do. the SEC. I, I do. I don't see him in the SEC. I I I, I don't. I, I would see him. I would see him in the Pac-12. I would see him in the Big Twelve. Offense. The Big 12, I like that's the first conference that came to my mind, but the only job that I think opens up there that he would want to take is if Oklahoma decided for some reason to move on from Bob Stoops. And because really, what other job? I mean, Texas just hired Tom Herman. I don't see Tom Herman getting fired anytime soon, unless like a team like Iowa State makes a change. Maybe Chip Kelly could. See himself in red and yellow, or if, or if there was, or or if the Texas Tech uh, job came available, Ryan Tex- Gosling could be looking for some movies to do. 
Texas Tech is a team that has just they just waver. They see mm-hmm. these teams getting better, leaping over them, and they're just still right there. But but then without without Cliff, how would uh how would Hot Moms in Texas hit on the uh, Texas Tech head coach? You saying Chip Kelly don't look good? <laughs> doesn't look like doesn't look like Cliff down there in uh, Texas Tech or Ryan Gosling. No, but I I think that they would be pretty impressive if they got wins. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I the thing the thing that I'm thinking about and call me crazy. This is a little conspiracy. You're by crazy. Me. Everyone knows that uh, I, I like Colin Cowherd. I like listening to his show. And the one thing that he mentions is the reason why the Big Ten is good is they've got coaches. They've got Jim Harbaugh. They've got Urban Meyer. <laughs> they've got coaches. They've got Jim Harbaugh. They've got Dan Tony, who's a damn good head coach. You look at the SEC, they got Nick Saban. Kevin Sumlin, not that good. Like, not that good of a coach. Butch Jones. Gus Malzahn. Near, near, Gus Malzahn is, he had one good season. This year was kind of like, a, eh, they were okay, and then finally, boom, made a bowl game. We'll see what he's like with Jarrett Stidham. I'm not saying Malzahn's a bad coach, but they don't have great coaches in the SEC. I think if a job like Texas Tech or Tennessee opens up, Chip Kelly can say, you know what, with my offensive mind, and just that kind because the one thing you got to think about is at Oregon, the one thing Chip Kelly hated to do, he hated recruiting. Hated recruiting. In the SEC, you don't need to recruit, baby. The, the kids, they just want to play for you. Unless you're Missouri. Because you're in the you SEC. you got to recruit if well, you're Missouri. Yeah, if you're Missouri. Unless, I mean, what, they, they had Michael Sam in that great defense, what, two years ago? And since we've heard nothing from the Missouri Tigers. But really, the... The SEC doesn't have to recruit as hard as the rest of the conferences because they are the SEC and player. They, they have the talent pool just right there in their backyard. They want to come and play for them. They do. They absolutely do. I, so I think that's why I think the SEC could work for him. Sure, but I mean, take a look at the take a look at the jobs. What is he? What jobs he going to get? He's not going to here. He's not going to get Alabama. Obviously, he's not going to get uh, Auburn. I don't think Tennessee or Texas A&M. Those are the only I don't two. think he's getting Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M and Kevin Sumlin solidified well, himself this season. I'm not saying they are for sure, like, for sure he loses his job. I know you're not. But those are the only two that I could see becoming open. More so Tennessee. Because, this, is, this is the last year yeah. for, for, for Butch Jones. I think this Butch is Jones it. is on this the hot is seat. It. Yeah. And really it's that Tennessee job I'm looking at. Because the one thing I know I said Notre Dame but the one thing I am going to talk myself out of it is if Chip Kelly goes to Notre Dame, he's going to have to put some work in recruiting because if you can't bring in talent to Notre Dame, you ain't going to be successful. I could see Chip Kelly at Notre Dame. I could see Chip Kelly at Notre Dame for sure. But I think the reason why I look at Texas Tech is because it's Big 12. It's offense. It's mm-hmm. spread offense. It's passing. It's no defense. Don't he doesn't even play, have to worry about don't it. Don't have to play defense, even though their Oregon teams weren't the – Cupcakiest is that is that a word? Cupcakiest teams on defense. You just made a one, and I made it a word. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below. What do you guys think about Chip Kelly? Do you think he's going to come back to college? If so, what are some teams that you think he could work at if he came back to the college ranks as a head coach? But we're going to switch the head coaching discussion a little bit because there was some news that broke today that. Uh, The Minnesota Golden Gophers are going to move on from Tracy Clays as their head coach. And, Brandon, this is a move that 
I mean, they made the move because of the players and the boycott and the players wanted the AD to get rid of their coach and the new AD, and I believe his first or second year, relatively new AD, doesn't want to ruffle feathers right now. What are you taking away from this firing of Tracy Clays? I think it's pretty upsetting. I think it's actually really upsetting. I don't think this 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 guy should have lost his job at all. He he had Minnesota playing really well actually this season. They were competitive. They're a competitive team. And you know what? For for how long have have we had at in, in the Big Ten? What teams are at the top? It's Michigan. It's Ohio State. And it has been Michigan State in the past, not this past year. Michigan and Ohio State. You finally had a team like Minnesota putting in some pretty good work. And I, I know that th- this past season I thought was 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 pretty good. The season before, not that great. But they're going to fire him over something that the players were doing and what the players were protesting. I, I think this is bad, and, and and Jerry Kill, the longtime head coach there with the Minnesota Golden Gophers, a guy absolutely loved by the Minnesota faithful, comes out and says, quote, won't be stepping back into the university, end quote. When he's coming out and saying that, that is not good for Minnesota. Well, and he went on to say, there's a quote here where he says, there's been a lot of talking going on, I'm not going to go any further, I'm just telling you that you don't fire a coach unless you've got somebody that's ready to step in. I've been in the business too long, and I know too many people. Everyone that has come up, I know. And then he went on to say what you said, where he's not stepping in. And this is a situation with Minnesota that really mean you didn't didn't touch. I know that it was the a couple weeks ago. The players get suspended. We didn't touch it. Then the players boycotted. We didn't touch the topic. Now we're finally getting to this Minnesota topic, and it's all because it's boiling over. With the boiling over is the firing of their head coach. And Ricky, back in 2015, I just want to make clear, he only had six games under his belt. He went two and four in just limited time. Won the bowl game, the Quick Lane Bowl. 2016, nine and four. They win the Holiday Bowl. He's two and all in his bowl games, nine and four. You in the six games that you were coaching in 2015, you lose four games. Mm-hmm. In all the games that you were coaching in 2016, 13, 13 games, you only lose four. Come on, that's ridiculous. You've got a guy who is on his way, making progressing with this team. I don't I don't understand. I think it's a rash decision. I think it's poor judgment on the side of the athletic director and anyone involved of making this decision in Minnesota. I think it's I think it's really pathetic that that, that they that they do this to a coach taking his his squad to to the next level. And you're going to then get rid of him again over something that the players were doing? I mean, you can agree, you can disagree with what the players were doing. But I don't think that you can disagree with the fact that this is wrong. Them getting rid of the head coach because what? They're going to blame it 
They're going to blame it on Tracy Clays that he should have done something and, and, and told them, hey, knock it off, guys. Don't go and protest something that you believe in. Whether or not you like protesting, people can do it. They got a right to do it. And players have a right to do it. Look at what happened at Mizzou. People were protesting players, students. People were protesting left and right. And finally, the president stepped down. I, I mean... They were able to to protest. Their coach, you know, got behind his players and allowed them to protest. Guess what happened to their coach? He's still there. What's going on here with Minnesota? Makes no sense, Ricky. Makes no sense. Well, and the one thing I do want to correct myself on, someone's probably already done in the comment section, but Mark Coyle, the AD, I said first or second year, it hasn't even been a year. He was put on as AD in May of 2016. So really, he's had just over half a year. In May coming up this year, it would have been his first year as the AD. And it's exactly what you said. It's a rash decision. It's a rash decision by by Coyle. Like, it's one of those things where I agree with Kill 100% when he says, you do not do this. Unless you have somebody lined up, unless you have someone lined up to take the job, why are you going to do this? Because now you're really kind of putting yourself in a little bit of a hole of now you got to scramble to find someone because, I mean, we're sitting here. What is this? January 4th today. Well, guess what? In less than a month, maybe like a week more than a month, we're going to have National Signing Day. These recruits are going to be deciding whether or not to sign with your school. And that's going to be huge. That is going to be huge. If you don't have a head coach, I mean, I hope they get one by National Signing Day. But if you don't get a head coach by that time, it's going to be, all right, what what, what do we do? Like, well, I'm not going to go to this school. They don't know what they're doing. And the one thing I'm kind of thinking, and I'm doing – a little bit of research just to the exact timeline of how it went down is I kind of relate this a little bit to what happened at Illinois, where Illinois had new AD come in. You had Josh Whitman come in. He was um, hired on February 17th of 2016. And we talked about on the primetime podcast before that, there was, and he had kind of the connections with, because Mike Thomas was before that, but when when Illinois fired Tim Beckman, they had Bill Cubitt come in. When they didn't let Bill Cubitt continue on, who did Josh Whitman bring in to be his guy? He had a guy lined up. He's there right now. They had Lovey Smith. They had the targeted guy that they brought in. Illinois said, we are going in a different direction. They brought in Lovey Smith. Minnesota right now, they don't, They don't. it seems like they don't have that guy. And this is where I'm going to turn it on you. I know that I emailed you today. I'm looking at it right now. A article from the dailygopher.com, which is the SB Nation Minnesota website. I'm going to put you in the uh, AD. You are now the, congratulations, Brandon. You're the AD of the Minnesota Golden Gophers. 
Who are you looking at? Who's your number one candidate that you are contacting for the head coaching job? Well, Ricky, in all honesty, any of the candidates that I would have wanted to go get are gone. They're gone. They're all gone. They're gone. And I think that that's one of the... the that's one of the downfalls of right now what you're doing. Your your top candidate, your number two candidate, your number three candidate, they are all gone. So, Ricky, right now, are you <laughs> are you desperately? I don't mean to bring him up again, but are you desperately saying, "Hey, Chip Kelly, we know you did pretty well in college. You want to come be our coach?" I mean, I, it's ridiculous. Well, but it's, but would you but would you say it? I mean, I understand. There's other there's other guys that could that could probably fill you know fill the void and, and do a good job. But is it is it too ridiculous because of the situation that they're in right now? You know, Tom Herman is 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 gone. Charlie mm-hmm. Strong is gone. Lane Kiffin is gone. You know, all, all these guys are are gone, and they're they're in other jobs. They're coordinators. They're head coaches. Who are you going for? Well, and before I answer your question, I do want to say just to clear everything up because I had to say the timeline that I gave out, not really the best, was the Illinois comparison that I went with. Whitman was hired February of 2016. Bill Cubitt had just done his interim season in 2015. In March, he was told he was no longer going to be the head coach, and like a week or two later, boom. Lovey Smith hired as the head coach. So that was more the timeline. So Whitman did come in, got got rid of Cubit, brought in Lovey. But to me, the guy I'm going with is, first off, I wanted to say Chip Kelly. Because to me, that's almost the same thing that Illinois did. Illinois bringing in an NFL guy and also a guy who knows Chicago. Chip Kelly's not a Minnesota guy, but it's one of those things where... You look at it and you go, he's an NFL experienced coach and he's a really good, he was a really good college coach. So I look at him. The other name I kind of look at, and I mean. Don't say it. Who do you think I'm going to say? Les Miles. No. Okay. I was not even going to say. I thought you were going to say it because he's the other hot name no, that no, would be no, out no, there. No, no, I'll give you a hint. You ready for it? Rode a boat. Rode a boat. PJ Fleck. Go get the guy from Western Michigan. Give him a shot because it's one of those things where he did good. He did great things with Western Michigan this year. That's a guy that could come in and get this pro get this program hopefully on track to win some games. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I'll tell you, I don't. I really, I thought you were going to go less miles there, so I was kind of taking off. No, Les wouldn't take uh, that job off guard. Les no, wouldn't take it. No chance uh, that he would take Chip that job. Chip might. Chip might be desperate enough. <laughs> Um, all of his options are open, um, but uh, PJ Fleck that could that could be interesting. But again, I I don't know. I, I in all honesty, I think that he may want to have another year at Western Michigan, see what he can do with them, see if he can get them any closer, get a better to get, job opportunity. To, to getting in the playoffs, and then again a better job opportunity. But Ricky, one thing I want to go back to, I I understand you know we usually do the whole okay, who would you take in the job position and stuff like that, but it's it it really it's killing me. Um, right now, the fact that that Clay's is gone, and let's 
you gave a timeline and everything, but mm-hmm. let's talk about the real reason why he's gone. It's not because 10 players, you know, were uh, protesting. It's because 10 players faced punishment for varying levels of alleged sexual misconduct. And they don't believe, players did not believe that that due process was done correctly that things were going the right way or being done the right way in the in the legal system. They did not feel and Clay's did not feel that that his guys were being treated the right way and, and were be being treated to a fair legal process. He tweeted, he stood up for his players, and I think that that shows a head coach that stands with his players. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's saying that he's okay with sexual assault or abuse or anything like that. What is even worse would be a coach that steps back and, and sets himself away from his players, those 10 players. He, he wants to get away from those 10 players. Not knowing that yes or no, if they did it, then didn't do it. He, he just doesn't want to be associated with them. That's not a coach. As as a father, would you want to be associated with your kids and stand next to your kids and be there for them going through that process, not knowing if they did it or did not do it, especially when you're not getting a fair legal process? Or are you going to say, uh, you're on your own for this one because uh, I taught you to be one way. This isn't it. I, I understand. I understand that things you know, may not be playing out the way that they should be legally, but I just, I don't want to, I don't want to be part of this. So you just step away as a coach. You're a father figure. Mm -hmm. You are supposed to stand up for your children, your kids, your boys. You're supposed to do that. And, and when it happens that yes, this is something that they did. You say, you know what? This is wrong. There's going to be penalties. There's going to be suspensions. There could be you being kicked off the team. But for the fact that he's going to get fired for Minnesota having, let's see here. Oh, the victory total is the second most in the season for Minnesota since 1905. Do you remember 1905, Ricky? I don't. No, I don't. Wasn't alive. I wasn't alive. Wasn't alive. But you're going to fire a guy. As a as a just, as a rookie AD, a rookie AD like doesn't you, know what like he's said, doing. Like you said, it was a rash decision, and it was one of those where I feel like it was like, oh, oh shit, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You're fired. Oh fuck, I shouldn't have done that. It's kind of like when you don't know what to do in a video game, and you got a choice to make, and you see that little like timer going down, and you're like, ah, oh, ah, oh, oh, what do I pick? And you pick one, and then you go. Fuck, I didn't want to do that. I want to do the other one. And then you constantly just regret your decision. And let me give you another quote from Clay's. Quote, our team GPA is above a 3.0, has been six the last seven semesters. Our graduation rate is as high as it's been since they started keeping it. Same with the APR, the academic progress rate, to be the highest public school in the country. Not only are we getting better on the football field, the kids are going to class and graduating, end quote. Clays was running a very, very reputable program on and off, on and off the field. Mm -hmm. And this is not something you cannot, as we saw with Ben McAdoo, you cannot control what your guys do on their time away. 
You can't always do it. As much as you would like to, you can't. They are grown men. They are grown men. They can do what they want to do with their time off and away from the field, away from practice and things like that. But for you to get let go of your job because you stood with your players, because you out outwardly were out, outspoken in favor of your players and wanting to stand behind them and being appreciative of their efforts of protesting for something that they believed in, something that they believed was not right, and they do it. I mean, I, I guess, again, you you can believe in protesting. You can believe it's stupid. You can believe it gets you nowhere. You can believe it's really good and people should do it. Either way, you have a right to do it. And basically, the AD here is saying, uh, yeah, no, that's that's I don't agree with that. So that's wrong. You stood up for them, so mm, can't have you on the t- as part of the team. Uh, we're just gonna redo this process. I'm sorry, Ricky. I, I probably have uh, gone on too much about this. Very passionate. I love it, very passionate. I love on this it. one. It's it's just ridiculous. I think this AD should be canned. Well, and this is where I'm looking at the timer, and this is where I'm gonna kind of flip it on to the listeners out there to let us know. What they think about everything that we talked about in Minnesota, what do you think about the situation where Clay is getting fired? Do you agree with Brandon where I believe you said the eight you slipped it in there at the end that the AD coil should be fired himself. And then also Minnesota fans let us know who do you want to become your next head coach? And the reason why I say let's cut it off is we got another topic to talk about. We got another top topic to talking about we are well over an hour and i'm gonna say you guys are getting your money's worth thank you grace and alan for giving you your money's worth here on the primetime podcast because this is possibly to me the most interesting topic of the podcast and that's because sam darnold what a season this kid has had with the usc trojans and the rose bowl what a fucking game brandon the best bowl game that we've seen. Like, the one thing that I wish, I wish that it was Alabama-Washington and then USC-Penn State were our semifinal games. Could you imagine if the 52-49 game was a semifinal game? It could have been. Could have been if, A, Penn State would have been respected and, B, Sam Darnold would have been the starter week one. But, Brandon, I'm going to ask you plain and simple. That's the title of the topic here on YouTube. How special... Can Sam Darnold be in the future for the USC Trojans? Uh, can you say uber special? I mean, this guy clearly showed uh, that he is possibly going to be one of the great USC quarterbacks. And it's because it's not just because he threw for five touchdowns and contributed 473 yards of total offense and records in the Rose Bowl. It's not just because he's a freshman. It's not just because he led them to a Rose Bowl win, 52-49. to It's because he did it all with such poise, Ricky. A poised freshman, putting up those numbers, leading his team to a win when they were down 42-27 to at one point. The game was nowhere near over, but you're down 42-27. You could have had a quarterback that just... That 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 worried that was frantic that you know he put too much pressure on himself. No, no, he was cool, 
calm, collected, and the word, Ricky, poised. And I'm looking at it right now. I mean, the play of the game for Darnold is it was when Penn State was up seven and Darnold just, I mean, stepping up in the pocket, just slinging it over the middle to his receiver for the touchdown. And the thing in this one that got me thinking was after I watched that play, and I believe it was Kurt Herbstreet who mentioned it, that's the kind of throw that you see the NFL guys make. That's the throws that you see the big boys make, the ones that eventually do go on to play for the league, play for the no-fun league. But I am utterly shocked at, I mean, yeah, I knew this season that all Sam Sam Darnold was good, but that Rose Bowl game was like, it basically put him on a pedestal. And the one thing that I wish I would have known before was I was listening to Colin Cowherd on Tuesday, and he mentioned how he was like, you know what, I don't like, like, I love talking about recruiting, but he's like, I don't talk about recruiting because you guys don't want to hear it. But the one thing he mentioned was when he was at USC camp, when Sarkeesian was still there, he asked Sark, who should I be looking out for today? Like, who should I watch? And Sarkeesian goes, make sure to check out that darn old kid. And the comparison that Sark made was the comparison that he made for Darnold was Andrew Luck. Like this kid, he's like, this kid could be as good as Andrew Luck. And if he lives up to that, this kid's going to be a first round draft pick, not just a first round draft pick. This kid could be a number one overall pick and bring USC back to the glory days. He could resurrect the USC Trojans all by himself. I think that, that's not too far. You're not going too far when you say that. Because, I mean, take a look at, at what Darnold did when he got the opportunity. I mean, a nine-game winning streak that he was a part of. Um, and he he went through his his first four conference opponents, 16 scores to two interceptions. Mm-hmm. And that's when, that's when all of a sudden people were looking back at uh, – at USC going, oh, here they come. Here they come, and they were not doing it with Max Brown. Max Brown, uh, the guy that, Ricky, we, we had a whole segment on was in the offseason. We, yeah. we, <laughs> we look like we need to go back into the closet, come out with something new. <laughs> um, but uh, he he was absolutely not the right guy, Max Brown. Not the right guy, and... You know, unfortunate for him because he had, you know, been behind uh, Cody Kessler for for a number of years, and 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 now he's, you know, again behind somebody else. But uh, I, I think Darnold is clearly the right guy. And again, I mean, just just the way that he led his teams to victories, and just the way that it seemed like guys really had so much more energy with him out on the field. That's the thing. Is that he made the team better? He made the team better. He was the Peyton Manning, the Tom Brady. <laughs> Sean will love that. The Tom Brady to this team because he made them all better. He gave them more energy. He just woke them up. A USC team that after that Alabama game, honestly, after their la- their first couple of games to start the season, they were still asleep. 
They, they, they had not awoken. They had not really kicked it into gear. But you turned it over. They turned it over. Helton turned it over to Darnold, and boom. They were awake. They were alive. They were kicking. They were breathing. They were winning. Well, and the one thing I'm looking back at is I got to correct ourselves because, uh, Brandon, I probably shouldn't say this because it's going to make us uh, look bad, but not only did we talk one week about Max Brown, here's how we had it. We talked August 24th was when the video came out on YouTube. We had a segment called, Is Max Brown the Quarterback? To bring USC back to the top. And then the next week, USC, Alabama, Max Brown's coming out party. So that was two consecutive weeks that we blew smoke up Max Brown's butt. I mean, so we're idiots. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's okay. That's okay. But the good thing is the Trojans now have a quarterback. And the one thing that I, I completely, completely forgot about is... If you're sitting there going, well, Ricky, like, how good, if you're asking yourself, how good is this kid? How good is this quarterback? You got to remember that originally this Trojan team had brought in a five-star recruit in Ricky Town to be the guy. And it was that same camp that Cowherd was at were basically... Ricky Town watched Darnold play and basically said, fuck it, I can't win the starting job, and transferred. And now he's at Arkansas. Basically said, watched watched him in camp, said, I cannot compete with him. Enrolled to USC, picked USC over Alabama, and then after camp said, I can't do it, and transferred to the Arkansas Razorbacks. Like, that's how good Darnold is, where he forced a five-star recruit out of town because that kid even knew, I can't compete with this guy for the starting job. Yeah. Could you imagine what USC would have been like if they would have just said, you know what, Max Brown, we don't care if you transfer. We do not care that you transfer. We are starting Sam Darnold. They would, they would have been a playoff team. In my mind, they would have been a playoff team because this is how I think it would have went down. I think they would have lost to Alabama. I think you can give them the Utah loss too because Darnold did start that game. However, I don't want to give them that loss because that would have been Darnold's fourth start instead of his first start. I think what happens is they lose that Alabama game closer than they did. They maybe beat Stanford and Utah playoff team at one loss and also play for the Pac-12 title instead of Washington, and we get the Trojans instead of the Huskies. Yeah, because, I mean, it just, it's crazy how things you have to, play out. You have to look at that. And I know Sean Anderson was here before we started recording tonight, and he even said, well, you know, Darnold started that Utah game, so really it's like he lost it. Yeah, but that was his first start. That was a freshman's first start. Could you imagine what it would have been like if that was his fourth start and his first start would have been against Alabama? They might have still gotten blown out against Alabama because now that I think about a true freshman going up against Alabama on that big stage, not a chance. But then he would have had Utah State and Stanford to kind of work with to get ready for the Utah game. 
I think this USC team could have been a playoff team if they started Sam Darnold. And I'll go ahead and say it now. They're going to be one of my favorites next year to make the college football playoff. They are. Because of Sam Darnold alone. Because they have the most important position locked up. You know, I I think that uh, you you definitely could be right, and so could Colin Cowherd, the guy that you're uh, channeling uh, through uh, yourself. Oh, not that last part. Just the part with the Ricky Town part is what I got from Cowherd. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't have that knowledge. I wasn't at USC's <laughs> camp. I, I, well, that's why I said you're channeling Colin yeah. Cowherd. You're trying to channel. But that la- that last part where I said they're going to be a favorite in was my it, mind was that's that all me? Was that all original? Yeah, that's original. Me. That's me. That's my part. But oh, really, for you. really, USC fans are going well. Duh, shithead. No doubt they're going to be a favorite for the playoff because right now USC fans are a little cocky because they won the Rose Bowl and they got something to look forward to. And I'm not saying that's a bad well, thing. Well, as they should be. They should be. As I'm they should be. Yeah, you should be thing. cocky as hell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not not as cocky as Alabama because Alabama is still the king. Well, duh. But I, I think that what you have for USC now is something that you've been looking for for a while. How long has USC been trying to find a quarterback? Since Matt Leinart. Right. Don't you hate Matt Liner? He's an idiot. Okay, I, I, he's terrible. I, I, thought, I thought it was him, but even him, Carson Palmer, and, Matt, and Mark Sanchez. I almost said Matt Sanchez. Mark Sanchez eh, were the last cares? three great USC quarterbacks. I mean, Cody Kessler was good. Matt Barkley was pretty good, but they weren't great. But that's what I'm saying is that you. It's been it's been a while. It's been a while since USC has been even to. Um, Oh, uh, what I was gonna say the watchman called the playoffs. What what do they what do they do? What do they do the at BCS the end of the season? They, they, they go to the playoffs. So it's it's been a while since USC has been able to sniff out a, a, a playoff appearance. Who's gonna be the quarterback to do it? And right now we're really really excited about Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We should be. USC should be because when you have a performance, not just like you did in the Rose Bowl. But when you're able to back that up with everything, it's not like he just came to the Rose Bowl and, wow, he got really lucky. No. Look at his resume before that in the season. When they gave him the reins, he did a lot with it. He did a lot with it. He did very, very well. And now it all add, it added up. It all came together, and it was his performance in the Rose Bowl. And I think that USC should be very, very excited. I think the... The rest of the Pac-12 should be very, very nervous mm-hmm. because it's USC. This past year, I didn't have any hope for USC. I didn't think that they were going to be all that great. And now this next year, it's funny. What I happens am very excited for this USC team because I'm looking at them right now after what I saw as the favorite mm-hmm. in the Pac-12 for next season. It's funny how much things change. In one year, but Sam Darnold, something special, and USC, you guys should be happy because you guys are going to be playoff contenders, I'm going to say, next year and definitely in Sam Darnold's junior season. But this is where you guys tell us down below what you guys think, not just about the USC thing, but about everything, about anything we talked about today on the podcast. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to check out all our other segments. You can get all of them on Blog Talk Radio backslash the Primetime Podcast and download the entire podcast for anywhere. You can listen to it anywhere at that point. Don't even need the internet for that. But I want to thank you guys for checking out the Primetime Podcast today. Don't forget to hit me and Brandon up on Twitter and follow us there, young underscore swan19 and at Ricky Widmer. 
want to thank you one last time for checking out this podcast. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.